สวัสดีครับ and welcome to the mouth of the Mekong Those are my friends who live up the road. It's Monday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. My name is Michael, and I am the mouth, a longtime senior Asia correspondent for National Public Radio (NPR), now recovering. And I live on the Mekong in the Golden Triangle, where Laos, Myanmar, and Thailand meet. And this week, how much is that Uyghur in the window? Okay, maybe not funny, but also maybe not too far off base. Because Thailand's got a big problem this week: what to do with 200-plus Uyghurs they stumbled across late last week in southern Thailand, either trafficked or transported there. It's a fine line from their home region in western China. Thailand has long been a way station for those seeking to escape political repression or economic hardship in their own countries. The two Iranians with the stolen passports on Malaysia's Flight 370 are the most recent high-profile example. They were looking for the chance for something better somewhere else, and so are the Uyghurs. So too are Myanmar's ethnic Muslim minority Rohingya, also in the news lately, who leave Myanmar's Rakhine state by the boatload, either on their own or with help from smugglers, who sometimes sell the Rohingya into slavery or worse. The Uyghurs are mostly Muslim too, in a Han-dominated China where assimilation, not ethnic pride, is the order of the day and the party. China often accuses members of the Turkic-speaking Uyghurs as separatists, or more often as terrorists. And when they leave without permission, China does what it needs to to get them back. In 2012, it pressured Malaysia to return six Uyghurs. In 2009, 20 Uyghurs seeking asylum in Cambodia were sent back to China, despite efforts by human rights groups to afford them refugee status. Two days after their deportation, the Chinese government announced a one billion dollar package of loans for Cambodia. Cynics might do the math and say that makes Uyghurs worth about 50 million dollars a head. Were the loans already in the works? Of course they were. But was the timing of the announcement a deliberate and strong signal that China rewards its friends? Absolutely. And what happened to those Uyghurs after they were returned to China? No one really knows except the Chinese. Here's how Human Rights Watch Asia director Brad Adams puts it. Quote, Thai authorities should realize that Uyghurs forced back to China disappear into a black hole. They need to allow all members of this group access to a fair process to determine their claims based on their merits, not on Beijing's demands. Unlike the Rohingya, though, the Uyghurs do have some powerful allies. The U.S. has joined Human Rights Watch in urging Thailand not to give in to China's demands for the Uyghurs' return. But the Thais are clearly caught between a rock and a hard place. Of course, they want to maintain their long-standing friendship with longtime ally, the U.S. On the other hand, China is the new power in the region, politically, economically, and increasingly militarily. No one really wants to provoke the dragon, whose soft power is increasingly being replaced with belligerence. Look no further than China's bullying tactics in its dispute with its neighbors over the South China Sea. What will the Thais do? Not really clear. The only thing that is clear is that either way, someone's not going to be happy, as if the Thai's internal troubles weren't enough to worry about. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Any comments, suggestions, criticism? Hit the contact button at mouthofthemekong.com and have at it. Talk to you, with you, at you again next week. Oh, and you might have heard about the Indonesian police chief, whose answer to the fires in Riau is to shoot those who start them. I'm looking out across the Mekong right now, and I can't even see Laos on the other side because of what's happening with the burning here in northern Thailand.
maybe that guy's onto something.